Episode 6, Wheel Topics. Let's do this. Roger, Houston. It appears to be some kind of spinning wheel. Topics. We're outnumbered today, Craig. We're outnumbered. Yeah. Dangerous. Uh, folks from across the pond. <laughs> Let's bring up everybody's name. In the top left, we've got Dennis Shaughnessy, the awful author.com. How are you doing, sir? I'm brilliant. Thank you, Paul. Can I just say that I've been practicing? I've oh. got this little <laughs> wheel that my props department made. I love it. I love it. We may have to spin it later. <laughs> and in the top right, we've got Scott McKenzie. How you doing, sir? Okay. Great, Paul. How long, you doing? Long time no see, sir. No, long, long time. We got to do a collab again soon. Uh, the bottom left, <laughs> we've got. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Another ten years. In the bottom left, we've got Adam Walker, who's a VFX artist, doing a, a new intro for one of our shows, Hooligans. How you doing, Adam? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having me on this podcast, Paul. May, maybe part of our deal, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a webcam. <laughs> Just saying. You paying for it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Certainly isn't a don donation. Although we did, we did get a few donations last week, and one of them was even uh, our friend here, Scott McKenzie. We appreciate the donations which we sent off to some of our artists. I didn't hmm. keep it. I, I usually <laughs> the first no, few donations go to all the nice people yeah, making all this art and and whatnot for us. Gotta and you needed money to get Dennis on the show. That's <laughs> probably yeah. We have to pay Dennis. True. Ugh. True. It's big fee. Yeah, yeah. Big fee. Big fee for Dennis. And uh, as always, bi even bigger fee is uh, Craig Damlo in the bottom right, because we have to help pay for all the fuel that goes in his starship. How are you doing, Craig? <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm just falling. I am just happen to be falling faster than the Earth wow. can catch up to me. That's right. <laughs> You're falling sideways. <laughs> and uh, below us in the live window today, we've got a live view from uh, London, where the sun is going down the sun never sets That's on the right. british empire true and there is our fabulous wheel filled with topics some of them provided by our guests some of them by uh or some of our fans some of them are always there we'll see what happens i think we're uh, about ready to give it a shot see what happens wheel of topics where it stops nobody knows nobody knows it's kind of lopsided Right away, we're gonna get kicked off YouTube. Right away, we're getting kicked off YouTube. Right away, this one can't even be on YouTube. <laughs> so, this is a leftover topic from last week. Unfortunately, uh, our guest didn't get to it, but here it is cannabis. And actually, this might be interesting because we've got folks here from the States, Canada, and uh, the UK. And, uh, well, this isn't my uh, my particular area of expertise, but I reckon uh, Dennis has uh, um, seen a bit of psychedelia. Well, I remember being introduced to cannabis by a guy who was doing a PhD in the same place I was, and he was doing his PhD in acoustics. So he had one of the things called, I think it's an anaeoic chamber. It was like a box that was full of soundproofing material so he could do his acoustics experiments without being 
interrupted and it was a sealed box so it had a, a sort of flu that took all the air out and he used to go in there and play Jimi hendrix really loud and get totally smashed on dope and he took me in there one day and he was the first person who ever gave me this um the devil's uh, the lettuce of trying the stuff yeah and when he was doing his experiments there was a switch he could press to make a red light come on outside his anaerobic box so that no one interrupted him. And we'd be in there for hours at a stretch. And he was one of these guys who tells you that, well, told me as a complete innocent, tells you that drugs can't do any harm at all. And yet he looked like a total nutter, you know. And I... <laughs> well, was that from the drugs? Well, uh, for... You're right. You're right. Perhaps I'm, you know, leaping to unfounded conclusions there, Craig. <laughs> so I'm in Canada, so it's it's the taboo is gone now, and it's you know you can buy plants, you can grow them. People sell chocolates, beer. I mean, Molson, uh, one of our biggest beer companies here, is working on, you know, making a you know five percent brew with, you know what in it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, the, the stigma in Canada is kind of gone. Is that all yeah. over Canada or just certain states? From, uh, I, I think there's or just some province, but, but yeah. federally it's, it's legal now. So it's, it doesn't matter really. I mean, it's, it's and, kind of and, annoying because some people have no, no sense. So, you, I mean, even as a, a user medicinally, um, mm. It's not a very good smelling product. So you don't want to be walking down the street, guys. Come on, you know, there's family walking by you and you're, you know, like a chimney and it smells like there's 500 skunks dying all around you. Not cool. So, so what, do you, what do you use it to treat? I take it it's not hair loss. <laughs> no, I'm working on that. <laughs> no, I, I actually use it to treat psoriasis. Uh, it's great painkiller and uh, insomnia. Um, joint pain, gone. You know, and you're going to bed. <laughs> now, is the joint pain gone just because you're totally oblivious, oblivious to everything, or is it more of a selective no, effect? No, no. Uh, like you, you can like take the edibles, even uh, CBD, which has no psychoactive effects. It, it'll 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 act as an anti-inflammatory and and get rid of the pains. Uh, but you are right. I mean, it affects your brain. I I wouldn't uh, use cannabis on a show day. I, I mean, with all these buttons and everything I've got around me right now, <laughs> yeah. the show wouldn't have started by now. Yeah, I okay. Mean, I, I can have a beer or two, you know, just loosens your inhibitions. But uh, if I was to take cannabis on show day, I'd be like, huh, what? Huh? Yeah. And and here, I mean, we, it's been legal in Washington state. It's federally illegal. Right. But state-wise, different states. And we were one of the first states, us in Colorado, we legalized it first. And you can go into a cannabis shop here and you can you just go up to the the bud tender and tell them this is what I'm looking for. I want to I want a cerebral high or I just want to melt into my couch and do nothing for two hours or I want to be energetic. And they set you up with the right type of product to get you into that mindset wow. you want. Now, it doesn't always work person to person to person identically. Right. So you got to experiment a little bit. Uh I've heard. Uh, <laughs> What's your preference, Craig? Uh, I like I like a, more of a. I don't like to. I don't like a sativa where you're just completely, or I mean, an indica where you're completely right. into the couch. I prefer a little bit of a hybrid between the sativa and the indica, but more 
stronger on the sativa more I, they they call it energetic it's not i like i like enough to give me a little bit of the giggles um yeah. that's kind of the high well, i'm looking this, for sativa we, does give you a bit of a couch lock as well right yeah it's not totally like you know it's not like the cocaine of the plant universe but <laughs> but the sativa certainly does get the creative juices flowing i'm just going to show you guys uh this is my my girls well i can't i gotta turn off the cannabis is in front of it there we go it's a girl it's a girl it's a girl so that's the kind of thing in canada you can pick up for 10 15 or 20 dollars a piece and you're good for the year right i mean you don't really have to spend money on it <laughs> you can just grow it yourself assuming you have green thumbs you yes, gotta you gotta have green yeah. thumbs in time, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it, it's just the whole thing of being in the garden right you you actually could do end up getting some exercise believe it or not walking around with water watering <laughs> cans watering everything now, after the show, Paul, after the show, can, can you guys who know about cannabis stay on and explain it to us guys who don't? Because it sounds like a really amazing thing. We, we certainly could do that. We'll do a little bonus chat. Yeah, sounds good. I'm, I'm yeah. concerned about Dennis. He's going to be led astray. <laughs> we're going to lead it. We're going to lead him astray, my friend. <laughs> it's the aftermath. <laughs> Spinning around where it stops. Oh, look at that! Oof. Oh, I have it labeled book. What's on your? What's on your? What's on your Kindle? What's on your what nightstand? are you reading? What are you reading? What are you writing? We got some authors here today, so uh, usually that's when we switch it over to what are you writing, and uh, maybe we'll start in. Uh, alphabetical order no we won't we'll go with dennis dennis uh oh heck am i allowed to make a ruthless plug for my own books or should i talk about someone else's well you can talk about someone else's. Plug yours I know, I first then plug no, your no, no 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 really let's let's no 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 well let's talk about mine right. so so thank you for asking paul it's very kind uh but i write i i should start by saying that i had all vanity beaten out of me as a child by nuns at infant school. So I, I don't know the meaning of the word conceit, but I think my books are candidates for the title of the funniest books ever written ever by anyone in the world. And they are totally unusual. <laughs> they appear to be written by their protagonist, who is a complete idiot. And he has this feeling that he wants to be the Jackson Pollock of literature. So he wants to just chuck words down on the page without ever thinking. So he thinks he's being like really avant-garde, but in fact, he's a total imbecile. So what he ends up writing are, are just um, the worst possible parodies of all the cliched bestsellers he's digested over the years. And what makes the books unusual is that he seems to be writing them in real time. So he's almost inventing his own existence as a metafictional character as you are reading it. And he never edits anything. So whatever <laughs> he writes goes down on the page. And because of that, whenever he makes a mistake, he just kind of acknowledges it to you rather than fixing it. So, for example, <laughs> if he makes a continuity error where he's left his car miles away but he needs to get into it now 
he'll just get into it now and hope that you don't mind that he's made this blatant. Dennis, that is a fantastic excuse for uh, (laughs) not having an editor. Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. And and indeed, (laughs) indeed, Scott, it came about for exactly that reason. You know, it came about. It's like a lazy person's way of writing books, which is instead of correcting anything, you just make a joke out of it. So I would employ, Paul, your billions and billions of followers to at least have a peek inside the books. And if they buy one of them and don't like it, then I do this special deal where I send them the sequel as a punishment for their <laughs> lack of taste. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Marco Ockram. Marco uh, Ockram, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first one is The Truth About the Name of the Rose. Uh, that's the second. Oh, that's the sequel, second. okay. Yeah, that's the sequel, yeah. the the That's a skit on Umberco Echo's masterpiece, obviously, where Marco goes into this uh, medieval monastery, which is, in fact, a bit of a A-lister retreat that's run as a medieval monastery, and he gets up to all kinds of fun and games with the monks. There's all kinds of evil afoot in the monastery. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, Scott McKenzie also. Where, where, where are you at, by the way, Dennis? Pardon? Uh, where, where are you at? Uh, where are you located? Uh, oh, I'm in uh, England in a place called the New Forest, which is down on the south coast. Okay. It's called the New Forest, but it was actually it's actually about a thousand years old. It was made a forest when William the Conqueror. Sorry, I was almost going to swear at those horrid French who invaded us all those years ago. I still haven't got over it. Um, when William the Conqueror founded it as a forest a thousand years ago, and it's still called the New Forest. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, Scott McKenzie, also in England, but where, where are you at? A uh, place called Wilmslow in Cheshire. Cheshire. All right. Yeah. And you've Just got a, lots of wonderful books. You, you've done a lot of No Agenda show-related books and other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so I guess it's my, my turn to get a plug-in. Which, oh, uh, as well. Go for it. What are you writing? So... Um, I can only assume there's a kind of a large overlap between people who uh, watch this and people who listen to No Agenda. And so the last 10, 12 years, I've used uh, things Adam and John discuss on No Agenda to um, just kind of uh, as, as the kickoff to the, the stories um, that I write. So I've published four novels and a book of short stories. Um, the last one... Uh, called Cockroach Milk, which, um, you know, it just began by talking, by them talking about, you know, what is a real product that's in the works, cockroach milk. And so, um, but it's incredibly difficult to produce in real life. So my, uh, the whole premise was what if a secretive corporation had discovered a way to mass produce cockroach milk? Um, and so, you know, spoiler alert, giant killer cockroaches do they have like a massive cockroach milking parlor <laughs> have you read it spoiler, spoiler <laughs> <tag>. <laughs> um, and yeah so i mean i guess leading on to not something i'm reading now but something i read around the same time was um, a book called night of the crabs by guy smith and <laughs> um, the kind of british pulp horror from the 70s i think about killer crabs, whales, 
Um, so this, these, kind of these are sea large. crabs rather than, you know, the kind of personal, personal infect, infections. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, this is my homage to No Agenda and Night of the Crabs. You know, I, I just, I have this thing about cockroaches. If I see one in the house, I will have this place fumigated. Like, I, I just hate them. <laughs> and I've been avoiding cockroach milk just for that reason. There's three of them on the cover. Oh. <laughs> uh, Craig, any uh, anything you've been reading lately that you're want to share? I'm going to go back to a book I read a while ago, but it's perfect topic for this show. It's called 1000 Years of Annoying the French by Stephen Clark. And it's it covers from the Norman invasion in 1066, basically the history of the French and the English and the constant uh, harassment back and forth the two of them uh, have done. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious. It's a great book. It's, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I'm not I like history anyways not uh being english um and you know i don't get a ton of english we we didn't get a ton of english history in in the u.s we get more u.s history amazing isn't it um but so so chauvinist right (laughs) (laughs) but it's 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 a whole it's a funny book it's just it's a light-hearted take at it um but detailed and and goes on and on about who you know the who did this who did that you know william the conqueror uh you know henry the eighth and what he did uh joan of arc and what she did uh and and the you know the english backing of her to just purely poke at the french um and and there's there's some really interesting stuff in there that i've forgotten and some interesting stuff i remember um but yeah i I recommend it it's it's a thousand years of annoying the french and uh, who doesn't like to annoy the French? <laughs> uh, Adam, the disembodied voice. Uh, any uh, any recent book picks from you? Um, well, luckily you've come on to this topic, but I'll first explain that I may not have written books, but I have had writing experience, uh, mostly scripts. Uh, when I was um, in acting university, being trained as an actor, um, I had to come up with uh, scripts for different productions. Um, I believe the first one was essentially an audio drama, which was just basically a short story called Last Call. And the main premise was that it's the end of the world in a pub. <laughs> um, it's sort of like at World's End, but it's just more like like a different sort of tale about being existential as well as basically the protagonist is being like paranoid thinking like um i think the world is closing in on me or like everything's just like sort of phasing out of existence the problem is that is what is actually happening throughout the sort of short story it's about 15 minutes long and you sort of slowly start hearing like each of the characters just popping out of existence and until eventually goes all that is left is the main character (laughs) um the main character essentially on his own before he himself just fizzles out like fades away it's kind of like um i don't want to like get into my personal life but this was uh at a time where i was sort of like 
not sure of myself, like not really in a good place mentally. So I thought this would have been a very good outlet to sort of like put all those frustrations into a physical form in a script. Um, no, no, yeah. The difference between a, a, now a script has a lot of formatting, right? It's not like writing a novel. Well, writing a novel has a lot yes, of Yes, and it's horrible. <laughs> Trust me, I had to bloody sit with a colleague trying to come up with uh, the script um and we were just like thinking back and forth and it was absolutely horrible just trying to do each line for different characters every now and again especially in microsoft word we didn't have like any f sophisticated um software to actually write the script quickly in this university um then uh Strangely enough, I came up with a script for a charity production raising for Cancer Research UK. Uh, we raised £100 for it. And what I wrote in it was a comedy script set in the First World War. Now, I know that you think like that is a weird choice of genre. But then again, we've had like Blackadder doing it. And we had certainly uh, had with the Second World War Dad's Army to make her uh, really nice comedic scenes and generally like funny jokes with a war setting. And uh, a, lot, um, a lot of comedy is, you know, uh, taking something very serious and that you should never make fun of and absolutely pulling its pants down. Right. Yeah. And just making light of it. That's exactly how you do it. It's the, it's a form of medicine to, you know, overcome the sort of like terrible thing that many people are suffering with. I, I'm thinking like we're going to have like COVID jokes in about five years, no doubt. Oh, um, you might have it in like three minutes. Yeah, I think we've got more ready. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're just about ready here. here hang on. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it may be the next topic. Or, sorry to cut you off there, Adam. I, I, I get jumpy on the wheel once in a while. Uh, it's fine, but uh, I feel like I've hit the jackpot with this stuff. <laughs> so this is like one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Um, and this is a TV show? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really good, Paul, because that means people from my channel can actually have a reason to actually listen to this podcast. That's right. What? That's right. Are we yeah. not reason enough? <laughs> <laughs> now, Adam is producing a, a really cool-looking uh, intro, custom intro for our, our Doctor Who show uh, called, mm. called Hooligans. <laughs> uh, we, we're not Whovians, we're Hooligans. And... Uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. So Doctor Who, now is it as big in, U in the UK as I think it is? Or like we always picture as Canadians that in the UK, every family's watching Doctor Who on Sunday and, you know, but it well, could we be like we, maple syrup. We, we don't really eat it. We don't, we don't watch it. We hide behind the settee, or at least that's what I used to do when I was a little kid. Right. And the Daleks came on. That's right. It'd be too scary to watch. Now, is, is, it, is it that much scary. of a, a cult phenomenon that? Cult, I'd say, yes. I yeah. think um, there was, there was a, re a real, you know, backlash to, oh, my God, we've got a female doctor. The world is ending. Right. We might get cancelled for this show because from what I can tell, <laughs> it's all old white men. You know? Yes. Yep. 
Unless Adam, they haven't seen you yet. I think you're going to have to identify as a as a woman, which will then. Uh, well, I, I, I did think of putting on show. a wig. Of, no, of I'm no, I'm just going to identify as um, a duck. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're good. So, uh, Doctor Who, one of my favorites. Uh, I, I I grew up uh, sitting on the couch, you know, watching reruns of, you know, Pertwee and Tom Baker. I didn't even know it. at the time there was we were already on like the sixth Doctor, but I was <laughs> I was watching the third one, thinking this is great, you know. <laughs> when um, when the end of the world is over and we can all get back to normal, um, we've got tickets to take the family to immersive Doctor Who in London which is the wow. show where, you know, you go, I don't know, back in time, forward in time, you go to the Blitz, and I guess you follow some actors around some rooms and uh, <laughs> things jump out at you for two hours and you pay, the, pay for the privilege. <laughs> Sounds great. So what, was, so what was their first ever episode of Doctor Who they've seen? That actually, you know, they got introduced to the show. It's um, uh, the... The, the latest Doctor, we, yeah, we started watching that one from the beginning. Um, not watched any of the others. Certainly not. I need to, you know, dig out the DVDs of um, John Pertwee and show him some of them. Uh, th that is my favourite Doctor, so that is a very good choice. <laughs> Tom Baker, of course. Yeah, okay. uh, I love Tom Baker. Um, Who's like still, the first... still doing Doctor Who, by the way. He, he's, <laughs> he's doing uh, the, yeah. the Big Finish audios. He's working with Nick Briggs and... Uh, Brand new ones coming out every like two weeks. He's still kicking yeah. it. Uh, the first ever episode I ever watched was Planet of the Daleks with John Pertwee, and that was a rerun. Um, and the way that I managed like found it to like watch on TV, uh, my mother was like channel hopping. I was probably like five or six at that time, um, and. She just said, oh, Doctor Who's on. And I remember first time seeing the Daleks, and I was absolutely terrified. I didn't hide behind the sofa, but I ran straight out of the living room altogether, like just screaming, like, ah, it's horrible, it's horrible. <laughs> but ever since then, uh, yeah, history has been made. That's how I became a fan of the show. Sorry about the hand on the wheel there. That was that was me closing the window. <laughs> All the kids are outside. They're getting excited. There's a lot of screaming going on. Yeah. Well, um, I've seen also, us on the telly, probably. Yeah. yeah. And also, Paul, I believe you showed a preview of what the Hooligans logo would look like on its new intro. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that you recreated it from nothing. Uh, wow. So uh, that's going to be overlaid on the whole TARDIS and everything. Oh, even better. It's going to look like... It's going to have like the blue glow flare, uh, like in uh, the current titles with like the 2005 red version. Oh of man, the I don't know if we can afford this. Dial it back a bit. And that's <laughs> that's a good. show that, that show I won't be invited on because the first Doctor Who episode I saw was King Ralph, uh, where Rose's mom is dating John Goodman as the King of England, right? That's Doctor Who, isn't it? Close <laughs> to be honest, that would. I wouldn't be surprised if that became like a big Finnish audio somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Neither would I. I think we're going to take a, a quick uh, five-minute break, four-minute break, guys, if you want to refresh in your drinks. And then okay. we'll come back in the second half. It's already halfway over. You see how quick that goes? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Magic.
Luckily, Stephanopoulos asked a few follow-up questions. For those who were vaccinated on the early end, those who were vaccinated back in December and January, how concerned should they be about the possibility that their protection may fade over time? May oh, fade <laughs> wow, this is great. This data and evidence we are watching really carefully. We, wanna, we are watching for breakthrough infections. Um, we're, we're monitoring this really carefully, and that's some of the science that we're waiting to emerge before we liberalize our guidance. It's the reason we're taking these baby steps. So I heard this a lot. We're waiting for the science. Science is now a new word for data that we did not gather during the trials. And as is evidenced here by a doctor. You know, you can stop. That is absolutely what they're doing. This is a giant experiment. Yep. Instead of a trial, they just decided to roll it out and let the the public be damned. Yep. Or guinea pigs. That's exactly what she meant when she said, we're waiting for the science. We're waiting for the science. If this thing actually did get thrown through the whole real system, it would have never been approved. Which is why it's emergency use authorization and not approved. And somebody, by the way, pointed out there's a lot of lawsuits going on now because one person found that if uh, if you're required to take the vaccine under whatever circumstance, like you work at a hospital or whatever, and they, they make it mandatory... If you start looking at the law, U.S. code, it's very difficult to make it mandatory to take an experimental vaccine. Experimental vaccine, of course. It's crazy. Jen Psaki on TikTok is uh, propagating the lie. This means that anywhere you go to get a vaccine, you should just take that vaccine. They've all been approved by the FDA. No. Three vaccines. No. And hopefully it will expand access and to make more doses available across the country more quickly. Lie. Not approved. It is not FDA approved. But Fauci is going to take it one level higher. He's going to explain that you are being experimented on, that they don't have any data. It's just that they call it science. You know from the Biden administration that they say it will make its decisions based on science. What's the science behind not saying it's safe for people who have been vaccinated, received two doses, to travel? You know, that's a very good question, John. And and the CDC is carefully heading in that direction. Uh, You know, when when, when Dr. Walensky made the announcement a day or two ago, about the fact that when you have a couple of people, two or three or more people in a family setting, both of whom are vaccinated, even if it's someone from another, a friend that doesn't have to be a member of the family, that was the first in a multi-step process that they are going to be rolling out. They're being careful, understandably. They want to get science. They want to get data. And then when you don't have the data and you don't have the actual evidence, then you've got to make a judgment call. And I think that's what you're going to be seeing in the next weeks. You're going to see little by little more and more guidelines getting people to be more and more flexible. The first installation of this is what can vaccinated people do in the home setting. Obviously, the next one is going to be what you're asking. What about travel? What about going out? What about getting a haircut? What about doing things like that? That's all imminently going to be coming out. He said it right there. We don't have the data. So we, we're just making a judgment call. Oh, that doesn't sound very scientific. Doesn't sound scientific to me. And the judgment trial. call is not scientific. Ah, that's another another animated no agenda. Uh, maybe a little bit too topical for YouTube. Uh, this was an older one. Uh, I just picked it at random. Don't worry, guys. We're not anti-vax. That's the thing. 
Uh, now, hands up if you are going to take the vaccine. All right. Well, I've had it. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to take the one of the uh, non-mRNA ones, just my own personal preference, but that's my business. Mm. <laughs> you know? I, had, I, mean, I had the vaccine, Paul. me uh, use those, all those tickets I bought. <laughs> I, I had the vaccine, Paul, and the nurse, nurse said to me, tiny prick. <laughs> I get that all the time, and I haven't wow, had the vaccine. Space Force. I'm going to give you a Space Force for that one. Mm. All right, we're uh, back at it. We're going to try a different kind of spin here. Uh, it's called Bass Groove. All right. Well, spinning way too fast. Oh, it's just going to be a reminder. A reminder for everyone to support our show. You can do that. You can do that over at trying to find where's the button. See, this is why I don't smoke pot on choke day show days. <laughs> Too many buttons to press. Wheelotopics.com slash donate. You can uh, find different ways of donating there. Uh, at the top, if you click live during show, your donation will interrupt our conversation and we won't mind because you're helping support the show. <laughs> Let's do that again. This is one of those British topics. I don't oh, know what God. this is. I know there's horses there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told you guys had a uh, some kind of event on the weekend, or it's coming up, is it? I don't know. Yeah, it was yesterday. It was yesterday, okay. Is this like a big yeah. deal in uh, in England? Oh, yeah. Not to me. It's the it's the one week a year when the newspapers stop saying uh, gambling is awful and right. start saying uh, free bets with our betting partners this week. <laughs> they have the, all the layout, all the odds. For yeah, sure, for sure. Where does it take? Is it always in the same place? Yep, it's Aintree Racecourse near Liverpool. And what a question. What a question. That's like saying, you know, does the Pope always live in Rome? Or does the Pope always shit in the woods? Doesn't he live in Vatican City? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Grand National. Wow. So it's like a televised event, everything. Yeah, it's a massive it's a massive horse race, probably the biggest in the world, where a huge field of horses, far too big to be safe really goes round this huge course where the fences are ludicrously big. You know, if you stood in front of one of these fences, Paul, you'd be looking up, it'd be like looking up at the at the Eiffel Tower. The fences wow. are so big. And usually what happens is they have, I think it's two laps, Scott, is that right, of the course? And, and usually by the time of the second lap, half, half of them are, are dead, you know. <laughs> Total well, carnage. The glue factory yeah. is just yeah. there waiting, right? They're like, yeah. Oh. And, and there's certain fences in particular. There's one called Beaches Brook, I think, where it's um, a fence, the height of which increases depending on which side of the course you're on. Uh, so if you're like a really daring or stupid rider, you'll 
try and um, jump it on the inside where there's a sort of like 500 foot drop on the far side of it. Whereas if you're more of a prudent or cowardly rider, you'll go and take it on the outside where, where the drops only like, you know, six inches or something. So it's like, it's like really canted, uh, but it's a massive spectacle and it's huge in English culture. Even people who would never, ever, ever bet on horse race usually have a bet on grand national. Right, they'll put down, a five or a tenner on it, eh? Yeah. People, do they wear, this, do they wear the fancy betting... hats? Oh, wow. like the Kentucky Derby? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's um, it's a, a horse race on, on, on a course near Liverpool. And, of course, Liverpool isn't really famous for top hats. You know, as uh, Scott would... No, uh... They're more famous for burning cars. Yeah, Liverpool. <laughs> they're more, they're more <laughs> famous for stealing things. Sorry, we should say that because... Uh, we're going to get totally lambasted by all the people who live in Liverpool. <laughs> Mind you, that said, I'm an ex-semi-scouser because I'm from Birkenhead and Scott's from... Well, you're, you're almost within the ambit of Liverpool, aren't you? How dare you? I'm from the, uh, <laughs> the surrounding region of Manchester. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're from the posh side of the river, so... Oh, that, yeah. that was by mistake, sorry. Oh, oh, that's all right. So the River Mersey, have you heard of the, the, the tune Ferry Across the Mersey, Paul? Does that mean anything to you? Ferry Across the Mersey, no, no. A stirring anthem from the 1960s. But there's anyway, there's a river called the River Mersey, and it's famously got now, because I've said it, got a ferry across it. And all the posh people live on the southern or southwestern okay. side of the River Mersey. And all what technically... In England, we call scallies. They live on the northeastern side of the Mersey. So it's it's a kind of social watershed where the good, well-behaved people live on one side and that the badly behaved people, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, live on the other side. And I hope you're not going to publish my address or otherwise I'm going to get lots of hate mail. Don't worry, we'll come for you for by tomorrow. <laughs> They'll send the boys around. Yeah. They're on their way Road now. Trip. <laughs> Spin it. Spin it good. Wheel of topics. Spin real it. good. Spin it round and round. There we go. Welcome to Prize of Genza. do this once in a while what we're going to do we're going to take from uh, people that have donated to us uh, and include people that have subscribed to our mailing list at wheelatopics.com and we're going to choose at random we only had three on the wheel so i'm not going to i didn't spin the wheel i basically i rolled a six-sided dice and uh, our uh, subscriber t santos you're going to be getting these two great glasses from dragon glass so they're basically these are these are the glasses. These are the martini glasses you're gonna give to that auntie, you know, the one that gets pissed all the time and breaks your long stem, you know, martini glasses. You wanna give her these and and for her, you know, husband, because he, you know, he falls down a lot too. So uh, you're gonna wanna use these ones because they're, you know, kind of little you know, low riders. They don't have the stem, but they still have the exact same shape in the cup, so you're still getting the same experience. Not a sponsor, just really cool. Dragon sent it to us, and we're sending it to you, T. Santos. Thanks for joining our uh, 
Thanks for joining our mailing list. And we're going to be drawing prizes for all of our contributors and subscribers in the future. Welcome to Prize of Genza! We had to use those up. Why yeah. not? Right, what do we get? <laughs> <laughs> what do you I gotta pay all you guys to be here. <laughs> fact check false. Oh, damn, I forgot I have the fact check on. No, we do not pay them. They come out of the kindness of their heart and spin the wheel. Oh my. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you guys. <laughs> Your papers, please. So we're going to talk a little bit about what they call the, right now they're calling the vaccine passport, what in China is called the social credit score, which is either a piece of paper you got to keep in your wallet or an app that's going to be on your phone. And that's going to give you access to things in life, like going to the grocery store or going to see the Grand National, you know, or going for a doctor's appointment or being able to use this ferry or get on this train. And I want to hear your, your thoughts about it. And, uh... Paul, I don't know how um, <laughs> good IT systems work in Canada, but if um, our, our British government's record on running IT systems, anything to go by, we don't have anything to worry about. We, our government are not going to be spying on us because that they'll be unable to run the systems. Right. But you know, you know, the, the thing is, Scott, they're not running the systems. They're buying all the data from Google and Facebook and from <laughs> Apple and from Android. That's the whole thing. The systems, the same. And they're going to print it out and leave it on a train. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that at some point this is all going to become, uh, I mean, here, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, it might not work with Hitler's head in the way, but not a phrase I was expecting to say. Hitler, I thought that was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Something like that. I am going to, it is kind of weird sitting atop Hitler's head, so I'm going to shut him off anyways. But you can see in Israel, it's already an app. Okay, it's called a Green Pass. It's a government app. I think is part of the OS, kind of like uh, Apple already has in uh, UK, Canada, and US put in that, uh, that COVID thing that they put uh, the tra uh, track and trace which is part of the yeah. OS. You don't have to download. It's already there. So they, they have to show this. This is them uh, going to uh, Bloomfield Stadium. I'm guessing probably for a match of some sort. And they have to show the green uh, green thing there. Now, where China yep. takes this further is that you, you end up with uh, things like how much exercise have you gotten? That goes into your phone as well. How you're eating. You know, did you jaywalk the other day? That's walking across the street, uh, you know, against the red light. I, I don't know. I'm trying to explain everything because we got a bunch of British people here. I don't know. Jaywalking might mean something different. No, no, no. No, I we think, call it jaywalking. Yeah, I, th I think it's totally ir irrelevant from, from the British uh, perspective, Paul, because our authorities are so utterly incompetent at enforcing any laws. You know, they, they're just useless. You could jaywalk till the, scout, till the cows come home and no one would do anything about it so we're so far from being a police state in this country the police are um I don't, well i frankly i'm totally at a loss to know what they do all the time i think they spend most of their life filling in the forms describing 
what they're boxes. doing. And and most of their most of the boxes they tick on the forms probably say, I spent yesterday filling in a form. Which form did you fill in? Well I filled in this one and I, I love that there's already two of you in agreement that it's never <laughs> gonna happen in the UK because of incompetence. I go, Yay incompetence. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It will, it will happen. It'll just be a spectacular failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, that. I, I haven't had, like, any bad experiences um, with, like, police, but I remember, like, in my local area, when I went um, out for a Halloween party, I remember, like, one of the people that we had in our group was trying to test how sturdy an ATM machine was. So he just picks up like a random stick and start like battering it. And immediately a police woman like came around seeing us, what he was doing. And she just like chilled, chilled and just said, you do realize that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't do anything. She just sort of like let him have his fun in a way. <laughs> To be honest, it was pretty fucking funny to watch, so I wouldn't be surprised if she enjoyed watching it as well. I think that's the thing is that you need to have a sense of humour with, you know, that line of work or in any kind of um, position of work. Um, Craig, Craig, I can only assume if that was to happen in the US that the the police officer would shoot that person's knees out. Yeah, first. probably. <laughs> uh, well, they just pull, pull yeah. up the gun, say, drop the stick! Yeah. Drop the stick. Yeah. It, it depends. What race was your friend? If if your friend was white, they're they're going to be fine oh, in yeah, the U.S. Be fine. Yeah. Can, can anybody remember that joke about the difference between hev heaven and hell? I, I can't remember it completely, but it's something like that in heaven, all the cooks are French and the lovers are Italian, and the Germans are engineers and the police are British and it's all run by the French or something like that. And then in hell, I think the lovers are English, uh, the cooks are German and everything's run by the Italians or something along those lines. We're definitely going to get canceled now. So. <laughs> <laughs> can't forget yuri this is a uh, uh, greg that off to you greg <laughs> yeah the tomorrow uh depending on where you're at i guess is the 60th anniversary of uh the first human flight in space yuri gagarin uh april 12th 1961 so uh, and and interesting so <clears throat> interesting side fact that came out i think like 20 years ago the they changed the rules on what defined space flight because there's all these Collier trophies and all these awards and the international, some stupid French word for aerospace decides, did you fly across the Atlantic? Did you fly around the world? Did you go to space? And the original rule was you had to take off in your spaceship and land in your spaceship. Yuri Gagarin and whoever the second Russian is that I can't think of his name right now didn't land in their spaceship. It was a secret. What they actually did, I think it's way cooler. They re-entered the atmosphere, slowed down, and then before they hit the ground, they actually opened the door, jumped out, and parachuted to safety. 
Yeah, that's uh, cool. while the while the, the capsule crashed into the ground. <laughs> I'm trying to find footage in the background here <laughs> of them Is there crashing like a into large the ground? explosion behind him as he was walking away. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was the first action shot. Is Yuri Gagarin disconnecting his uh, parachute and walking away as his spaceship crashes and blows up in the background? He's holding like the Soviet flag, saying communism is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's What's also amazing when you look at this? This is a Soyuz uh, rocket. They still use a version of this today to get people to the ISS. In fact, Friday. Right. Three and a half hour trip from um, Kazakhstan to the ISS was on a version of that same rocket. The Russians, I mean, you got to give them credit. They built something that worked and they're going to keep using it until the Earth ends or the heat death of the universe. You know, one of those two things, they will keep using that same technology yeah. until they can't. A bit like my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, sixty years. So sixty years that we're what we're at what fifty some odd years uh, to Apollo and uh, ISS for twenty years. I, now. I gotta say the, the the footage we're looking at it looks more like a camper van. I think this is all fake. It's all fake. <laughs> it, but you know but, it could be. That's the amazing thing about the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> but but when if you think about it seriously, imagine how brave you'd have to be to do that to be the first oh, yeah. person to go into space. To me, it's just mind-blowing, really. I mean, the interior could be worse. I mean, I've been on the test model of Concorde um, <laughs> at an air museum, and it was horrible. Like, there was only, like, a few seats, and most of the windows were sort of, like, bolted shut <laughs> as well. So if you were the first ever person to ride Concorde, that is what you have to, like, go through. Yeah, you imagine, imagine like halfway be... through the test flight, they just yeah. thought like, "I want a refund." Imagine being <laughs> on Concorde and not being able to open the window, driving yeah. mad. Yeah, my God. Well, the was, windows. If you've been on the Concorde, the windows are like that big. Yeah. Uh, because the the altitude was so high that there's a math on those window sizes on airplanes, and it's uh, if you lose two windows, it has to take a certain amount of time for all of the oxygen to leave or the pressure to equalize. And so the windows are like this because they were at above 50,000 feet. What I what really surprised me was Concords that were made in like, the, was it 60s that they were made? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. They were so small. Like the, uh, my head was touching the ceiling when I was walking through the passenger segment of it. I was uh, thought like, how the fuck are you supposed to go to the toilet in this thing? Is having like your scalp being scraped, leaving the bloody stain on the ceiling. It's a short flight. You don't go to the bathroom. It's easy. Yeah, yeah it's nice and fast. Yeah, but what happens if you have a diarrhea attack during then? Oh, you just man. have to like. <laughs> Well, That's can you wheel. get to the back yeah. of the plane before it hits, anyways? No, you just uh, you just rip open the window and just like <laughs> take a dump through that. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. All right, we got we got another topic to get to here. We're gonna try to do it manually. Uh, it never works. We got it. We got it. We managed to get it. Locked in. There. Oh, a little bit of smoke there, Greg. Ooh. 
We can't forget His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Sorry. He's like, he's doing this wave. The thing, the thing that gets me about all the newspaper coverage recently was that, oh my God, his grandson and Meghan Markle, um, trouble they're having with William Tate is really bad for his health. How about having a likely sex offender for a son? Exactly. (laughs) Is that not going to give him a little bit more of a sleepless night? Yeah, they I don't was, talk uh, about that much in the media, eh? Yeah. Well, oh, no. Prince Andrew was, he, he gave, yeah, you know, I don't know, an interview, Man on the Street today, and I noticed that the word nonce was then trending on Twitter. <laughs> nonce. I was How surprised many... by the words they used, Paul. It, they, there was an announcement that said that Buckingham Palace had confirmed the death of Prince Philip rather than just like announce the death. And I, I thought the confirmed was like a bit of a strange word to use, almost as if there was some doubt about it. Do you know what I mean? As if they, they weren't quite sure first time round. We do, think do he's think, dead. Well, he was looking in rough shape, but yeah. do you think... Yeah, that, we think he, we think he might be dead. Bernie's We're not or? sure. But, Did you really oh, no, 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 no. him for a while? Or? <laughs> he really is. He really is. We, we're confirming it now. It wasn't well, just a prank he, by the Queen. You know, he's really you, dead. Um, I want to know what David Icke has to say about this. How long? How, how long a space is it supposed to? You can you can almost see like right here. I think there is some kind of string holding up his hand. I, I don't know. It could be could be something to this. How many how many friendly chats do you think Prince Philip had with uh, Epstein? Who knows? <laughs> okay. I'll just uh, like say one last thing. Um, when the official funeral like happens, I hope to God that um, his coffin gets rolled out under through Marble Arch, just like what he did with uh, Diana. And for those uh, UK people out there uh, want to know what do I mean about that? Uh, well, let's just say uh, I can't really say anything about that anytime soon on this show. <laughs> Oh, controversy. Do you think it's yeah, going to get us blacklisted by YouTube, Paul? <laughs> Probably. Everything does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, in an attempt to draw the last topic with this one, um, one of the quotes that I saw from him, um, you know, all those stop and chats he did with kids and stuff like that, he's talking to a, a 13-year-old boy, and uh, what, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? And the, the boy said, I want to be an astronaut, to, to which his response was, you're too fat to be an astronaut. <laughs> he, he was known for the gaps, and he would make them all the time. In in I uh, have some ready here. In 2002, when sorry, I'm trying to laughing while I was trying to read it. When visiting an Aboriginal culture park in the Queensland rainforest of Australia, he asked an Aboriginal businessman, a businessman, "Do you still throw spears at each other?" <laughs> I'm not kidding here. <laughs> William Brim replied, no, we don't do that anymore. Here's another. Oh, no, I, I don't want to go through these. You know what? Let's let's <laughs> let, let, let the man lie in peace. But he certainly said a lot of rude things throughout his yeah. life. And got away. it was kind of his way of, you know, letting off steam. He would always have that one line in the middle of the fancy dinner party. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Rest in power, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, guys, it's been a blast talking to you all. I don't want to keep you up <laughs> Likewise. too late. I know it's it's close to your bedtime. 
in the UK and I could see the well, sun going down. No. <laughs> I've still got work to do. <laughs> well, I Especially see the sun's going down in London. <laughs> Stick around. We're going to dance during the credits, guys. Come on. Maybe after. Been a lot of fun. Lots of guests. Nick Damo, thank you. Scott McKenzie, Dennis Johnson, Adam Walker. Thank you to all our talented crew. Jeff Jax, Joe. We need to fly to the soccer.